Oh God, thank you again for uh, this day and allowing us to meet together to, to read and hear your word, Lord. Lord, we ask right now that you open up our hearts and minds to receive the message that you have for us this morning. May we come to a place where we come to a better understanding of who you are and what you want to do in and through us. Lord, again, fill this place with your spirit, Lord. And plant the seed of your word deep within our hearts. So that our relationship with you will be tightly knitted together. Bless the time. Bless everyone here, Lord. And just use me to speak your word. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I want to begin by reading this illustration um, that I found. In the midst of the vineyard, there was one grapevine that was poor and sickly, and sickly looking. This weak vine stood out all the more through contrast from the rest of the vineyard of a strong and flourishing vines. Year after year, the vine was sickly. Finally, the owner started to dig the ground to find the reason why. He found an abandoned well which had been covered over with a circle of wood and shallow earth thrown on top. The vine had very long roots dangling in the thin air of the well. Perhaps your soul is like that. You have not been fast-rooted in the foundation and are getting no nourishment from the Word of God. You will be sickly as a Christian bearing no fruit unless you get your roots firmly established in Him. The main idea of this morning's message, of this morning's sermon, is that if we truly desire to grow spiritually as Christians, we must allow God to be the main source of that growth. And this morning I've titled my message, Four Aspects of Growth, because that's what we're going to be seeing again this morning. We're going to be seeing four specific fundamental aspects in Christian growth. And these are the four. Number one, growth requires that the light of truth burn continually in and through your life. Number two, continual growth requires application of God's word being spoken to you. The third thing we'll be looking at today is growth isn't isn't instantaneous. It's a process involving the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit within us. And number four, if unchecked, too much growth can cause more harm than good. Although we don't, although what we do to continue maturing in our faith is important, we need to trust that there is an intended plan and purpose in God's mysterious work within each and every one of us. And what I mean is each and every one of you. So let's get right into God's word. If you're not there already, turn to your Bibles in Mark chapter 4. Um, we'll be in, starting in verse 21. If this is a... Uh, It's in this first passage that we'll see the first fundamental aspect of Christian growth. 
growth that requires the light of truth to burn continually in and through your life. So let's read. Starting in verse 21. He, being Jesus, also said to them, Is a lamp brought, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on the lampstand? Nothing is concealed except to be revealed, and nothing hidden except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, he should listen. Now, in addition to using parables, Jesus also used symbolism to communicate important truths to his disciple. In verses 21 to 23, Jesus uses a lamp to describe the concept of truth. Now, truth not in a general sense of the word, but more specifically as it relates to himself being that lamp of truth. In other words, Jesus here is not talking about all the wrongs being exposed, all your life's, everything that you've done wrong in this life being exposed. He's talking about the truth about his ways. He's talking about the truth about his heart. Jesus said in John 8, 12, this is what Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life which is what he's been revealing so far. So far in his earthly ministry, so far just in these four chapters in what we've been reading and studying, that's what he's been revealing, that he is the light of this world. So with that concept in mind, what Jesus is conveying is that he didn't come to put away, to be put away and rendered useless, like a lamp under a bed. And he didn't come to dwindle away like a lamp under a basket. You see, like a bright light is meant to be placed on the lampstand so that the light fills a darkened room. Jesus came to be placed on the lampstand, which would eventually be that cross, be the cross where, where he was crucified. And he came in order to, to shine bright in a world that has been darkened by sin. You see, Jesus came to be a light that never goes out. Now, I, I want to be clear about something, and I think this is important to, to clarify as I, before I continue. I do believe that all sins, everything you've ever done, will be exposed. Even the secret sins that are hidden deep within your heart will eventually reveal itself. If not in this life, then when we stand before God's judgment. Now, again, my experience shows that I can hide things years past, but eventually, they come out. I mean, I've, I've, the, the longer I've tried to hide sin, the longer I've tried to keep secrets, I realize that eventually, one way or another, they do come out. But again, I, as I said, that if not in this life, then when we stand before God's judgment, Ecclesiastes 12:14 says, "For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil." But regarding what Jesus is speaking about here, let me ask you, if you consider yourself a Christian, is the light of the gospel shining bright in the lampstand of your life? Or is the light of Christ within you purposely being hidden because you fear what his light will expose? to you and to others? Or are you purposely putting the basket of the cares of this world over it in hopes, that, in hopes of ignoring his truth or allowing that truth to dwindle away? 
Now, if you're not aware of this already, then you should probably know that our God is a consuming fire. As hard as we may try, there is absolutely nothing that can hide or snuff out His flame. Listen to what Jeremiah said when he tried to hide the truth that was hidden within him. He said in Jeremiah, it says in Jeremiah 29, If I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, his message becomes a burning fire in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in and I cannot prevail. Christian brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not meant, to be hit, not meant to be hidden. The truth of who Christ is and what he, came to do, what he came here to do is not meant to be concealed. You have a solemn responsibility to spread the truth in whatever way God gives you the opportunity to do it. Now in regards to the light that's within you, Jesus said this in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Going back to the, to the passage, in verse 24, Then he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured and added to you. For to one who has, it will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Verses 24 and 25 were, in verses 24 and 25, we're given the second fundamental aspect of spiritual growth. Continual growth requires the application of God's word being spoken to you. Now, if you remember, or you know, if you weren't here, I, I, I did speak on the importance of listening. Among some of the things I said were, wisdom is gained when you begin to really listen to what you may have heard a thousand times. And when you listen to God, you gain understanding. The more understanding you get, the more trust, the more you'll trust in what God says. And the more you trust in God, the more you'll be transformed by what God says. So when Jesus says in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured and added to you. He's talking about the value we put into truth, into the truth we hear, and how we apply it. Specifically, the truth about who Jesus is and the truth about his gospel. You see, it's not about what we hear, but about how we, but how we hear. So in other words, verses 24 and 25 look like this. When you receive the truth and pass it on to others, more will be given. On the other hand, if you don't allow the truth you hear to flow out through you, not only will you lose what you've been given, but new truths that God wants to reveal to you will not, won't be given. And again, I, I can just remember so many times in my life where I've known the truth, I've known the gospel, and, and I've had several opportunities to share, but because of fear, because of fear of, of man, and because of fear of ridicule and persecution, I've kept it to myself. Now, and I, and I think what happens, what, it, what has happened in the past is, is that it's, it's stunted my growth. It's stunted my growth as a Christian. You see, God gives me these truths. God, 
makes me understand these things, not so that I can keep it to myself, but so I can share it with others. You know, and I think that's what, it's finally gotten to a point now where, where like, just like Jeremiah, I need to speak the Word of God. It's absolutely necessary for me. If I don't, my bones will just cry out. My everything about me will just cry out. I don't want to go back to that place where, where I'm scared of what man can, what man will say, what they will do. No, I just want to continue to share the gospel, continue to give praises to God and give Him the glory for everything that He's ever done in my life. This, again, goes back to what Jesus said about the lamp, lamp's purpose is to be put on a lampstand. As long as the lamp remains on the lampstand, God will continually add fuel, the fuel needed to keep the lamp burning. The light of truth is what Jesus the light, this light of truth is what Jesus was and intended to be during his earthly ministry and what he now wants us to be as his followers. As the light of God in your homes, in your workplaces, in your school, and all those other places where you spend considerable, considerable time, your purpose is to also be, on, to be put on the lampstand. You see, people have been living in darkness for a very long time. And for some, that's all they've known. They've gotten so used to it. They've gotten so used to it that any form of light, any form of truth that comes their way, they just can't stand. It's absolutely repulsive. And they're, they, they push away and they're like, no, I don't want any of your smiles. I don't want any of your joy. You know, you're, it's, it's repulsive to me. I don't want to hear that you've been praying for this. I don't want to hear that you've been praying for that. It becomes almost, uh, because again, it's just, it, it, that darkness is just, they're so used to it that the light that burns within you makes them see the truth of who Christ is and the truth of who Christ, what Christ is doing in you, what the Holy Spirit is working within you. These are the ones, the ones that are in the darkness that Jesus spoke about when he said, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works be exposed. Now all of us, again, and me included, we're, at, we're in that darkness at one time. And you can remember that we enjoy being, we, we didn't know, we're, either we didn't know we were in the darkness or we just enjoyed being in that darkness. We knew people that were praying for us. We knew people that were Christians and we did everything to avoid them. And now that we're in the light, we see the same thing happening with others. They just don't want anything to do with us. However, the moment you surrendered your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit made his residence within you. He's the one revealing truth to you. He's the one opening your eyes to spiritual truths you've never seen. He's the one opening your ears to the truth spoken by the preaching of the word. But the question still remains. And the que this is a question that you need to continually ask yourself. Is the light that you have within you being put under a bed or a basket? Or is it on the lampstand?
These verses should tell you exactly what the light of the Holy Spirit in you is meant for. And not only what it's meant for, but how God continues to replenish that light with more truth, with more knowledge about himself as you allow it to flow through you and out to others. Let's continue in verse 26. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade and then the head, and then the ripe grain on the head. But as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Here we're given the third, funda- third fundamental aspect of Christian growth. Growth isn't instantaneous. It's a, prof- it's a process involving the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit within us. In verses 26 to 29, we, we have Jesus telling us another parable. A parable that, again, the hearers would have had familiar knowledge with or familiar knowledge about. Now, anyone can look at this parable and say, well, this can mean a number of things. And since the meaning isn't given, then it's open to interpretation. But I believe this is where wisdom comes in, and we have to apply the words of what Jesus said in verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. So in order to understand this parable, we need to look at it contextually. And what that means is that we need to see what he's already, been, what he's already spoken about. So far, this is what he's revealed in, uh, through the parable of the, sower, of the sower. And we covered the parable of the sower last week. The person scattering is he who preaches the word of God. The seed, is, the seed of truth is who Jesus is and his word. The soil is a person's heart that receives the word. The crop is the spiritual fruit that is produced as a result of of that word growing in that person's heart. What I see Jesus clarifying here is the natural and orderly process that that growth entails. See, the ripe grain isn't produced first. And the blade isn't produced last. There is a process. There is a growth process. Many times people will give their lives over to Christ and right away they want to jump into the pulpit and they, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I can teach the word. And, you know, but it's, they haven't been tested by the fire. They haven't gone through those difficult trials. And, and again, they're just infant Christians. It's a process. You don't instantaneously, you know, go from being a baby into a mature adult. It takes time. It's a process again. It also makes sense that the farmer plants seeds so that if it produces a crop, eventually that farmer is going to reap the crop once it's finished growing and maturing. Now, I'm not, I'm not a farmer. I'm not, I've never grown anything in my backyard. But I know that if I'm growing fruits and vegetables in my backyard, I'm going to wait until it ripens, and I'm just not going to leave it there. You know, let it die and wither away. I'm going to reap it. I'm going to, I'm going to 
pull those apples, oranges, whatever it may be, vegetables, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to enjoy, to make a meal, or to actually to give it to my wife to make a meal. Cause, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, it might, you know, the kids here will testify that I'm not a cook or anything. My wife does all the cooking. But the farmer sows. That's the purpose behind it. Otherwise, he may, he may as well have planted just flowers instead of seed to make grain. Now, anyone that plants flowers will probably just tell you that I'm, I'm planting these certain flowers because they're beautiful and I just want to enjoy the way they look. But it's not the same with, with a crop. The farmer who scattered the seed doesn't know how all this happens, how that process, what that process entails. But he just allows it to happen. So this is what I've concluded about this parable. Jesus is talking about the mysterious effect hearing and studying the Word of God causes the kingdom to be established within us and among us. When we study the Word together, like we are now, or even in our personal devotion times, a supernatural transformation begins to occur within us. Like seed, we begin to grow and we begin to mature and our perspective in life begins to change as well. And in time, we start to bear the fruit that God had intended and purposed when he planted that seed into our hearts. I think all of us, and, and yes, I count myself, I include myself in this too, realize that there's a lot of growth that still needs to, be, that still needs to happen. I mean, yes, I'm not the Christian I was when I first became one. But I believe with all my heart that the Christian that I will be, that God intends for me to be, is still, there's still so much work left to do. He's not done with me yet. But we, ought, but we ought to be confident that as long as we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work within us, we will continue to grow until we've reached full maturity. And this is where wisdom and more importantly, faith comes in. The only one who knows when it's time to send for the sickle is God himself. When it's time for God to take us home, we ought to be confident and have the assurance that his purpose for us has been completed. And he sees us as ripe and ready to be with him for all eternity. If you're walking in his ways, if you're obedient to, the, to what Christ has called you to be and, and, you're, and you're walking by faith, again, not perfectly, because again, we're not perfect. A time will come when he's going to say, you know what, you're ready. I see you as ripe and I'm ready to enjoy you for all eternity. I'm so, I, I don't know about you again, but I'm so looking forward to that day. And even if I was to die on my way home, I, full, I fully believe, without a doubt, that that's what God's plan was. He, he sees me and he says, you know what, it's time for you to come home. You've completed your journey and you've ran the race and it's time. It's time for you to come home. 
With the time I have left, I'd like for us to look at one more parable that shows us the fourth fundamental aspect of growth. If unchecked, too much growth can cause more harm than good. This parable begins in verse 30. And he said, how can we illustrate the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the soil is smaller than all the seeds on the ground. And when, and when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the vegetables and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. For a very long time, this par- the parable of the mustard seed was one of those parables that I just couldn't understand. I had a difficult time understanding what this parable meant. A big reason why I couldn't understand, couldn't wrap my head around this parable was because I was confusing this parable with another reference Jesus made about a mustard seed. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, For I assure you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What I failed to see was that Jesus was using the same image of a mustard seed to represent two completely different concepts. So because I couldn't understand this parable, like most things, it was easier for me just to, just to skip it, just to go through it or go cruise right through it. See, it, it, that's what we do. We don't understand something Instead of asking God, especially when it comes to the Word of God, instead of asking God, you know what, God, reveal this to me. I'm having a difficult time understanding this. I've learned that He's faithful to that. He does reveal things to it. And, and it may not happen instantaneously. Sometimes it may take some time before He reveals a truth about what He says in His Word to you. But He is faithful, and He does reveal these things to you. See, I made the mistake of not taking the time to study what I didn't understand. And that's an important aspect as you read, to, when you read the Word of God, is just to study it as well. Take the time to, to look at the commentaries, to do word searches. Study God's Word because there's just so much He wants to show you, so much He wants to reveal to you. While this verse in Matthew is speaking, while the verse in Matthew is speaking of having the faith the size of a mustard seed, this parable is speaking of the dangers of a structured religious organization that has grown to an, to an unnatural monstrosity. You see, a typical black mustard seed has never, can never grow big enough to support birds and their nests. So, a, so this mustard seed, a mustard seed that has grown that big is an unnatural mustard tree. Due to its unnatural size, it begins to harbor birds, and those birds begin to build nests inside this, inside this tree. Now, if you look at the parable of the sower, you'll, you'll notice and you'll see that Jesus uses a bird 
to symbolize Satan. So what I see here is, I believe this is the warning from Jesus of the possible dangers, unnatural expansion of church structure and organization where complexity has replaced simplicity and hierarchy has swallowed up liberty. Like a mustard seed, a church may start small and may start tiny, but as, a, but as it grows to an unnatural size, as it grows unnaturally big, what was intended to be a good thing becomes a nest for all sorts of evil. I don't know if you're familiar with Warren Risby, but he wrote this, the growth of the kingdom will not result in conversion of the world. In fact, some growth will give opportunity for Satan to get in and go to work. I agree with what Pastor David Guzik said. Jesus is considering the growth of the work of Jesus is considering the growth of the work of God. Reminded us that size and status are not necessarily benefits. Corrupt Christianity has been a curse to the world, being the form of godliness without power. Then what we see in the last two verses here, verses 33 and 34, he says, He would speak the word to them with many parables like this, as they were able to understand. And he did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he would explain everything to his own disciples. Jesus, Jesus, verses 33 and 34 tells us that Jesus communicated truth to his hearers, hearers through parables as they were able to understand. However, when he was alone with his 12 disciples, he would spend time explaining and elaborating what these parables meant. Now, I think this is what's important to, to, to understand. Uh, I hope you understand with the verse, these, just these verses that we covered. As a new church, as a new church, my prayer is that Fresh Vision Church will grow according to God's plan and purpose for us. If it's God's plan and purpose for us just to have 20 people, just to have 20 people in it, then hey, I accept it because I know that that's God's plan. I know God is good and that's what he desires for us. If his purpose for this church is for us to grow into hundreds, then I will accept that as well. Because I know again that God, that's what God's intended for us to grow. I'm not looking ahead. I'm not looking, I'm not thinking, hey, you know what? I want this church to be in the hundreds and thousands. I just want to be a church. I want this to be a church where it just grows in, in, in a natural way. Where, you know, again, we just glorify God every single time. I just, don't, I just don't want us to grow beyond what God naturally intended for us to grow to be. I don't ever want Satan to perch himself in here to make a nest. My vision for this church is not to add in order to keep people in and make this the biggest church in El Paso. And, and, I, and I see that as, a, as an issue with a lot of churches is that that's what they do. They're just looking for people to add and add just so that it 
balloons up so they just, you know, to have their own little kingdom. That's not our intent here. That's not our purpose. That's not what's in my heart. Sure, we'd like to see more people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sure, we want more people to come and hear the Word of God, to teach it, to be taught, to, to, to be taught the Word of God verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter. But my intent here, my heart is, my vision is not to add, just so that we continue to just grow and grow and grow. My vision is to encourage and assist in the development of potential leaders to go out and multiply. To go out and multiply using their specific God-given gifts to reach others. My heart is that, again, one day people will come and, and they'll grow and, and that they'll have a heart to go out and do missions. To go out and and maybe start their own churches in those countries, in those areas that have been darkened by sin, where there's just sin abounds. I want people to, to, to come here being a light that's on a lampstand. That's my vision. That's my hope is that we'll be able to send out. We'll be able to send out and multiply what God is doing here. You see, as I mentioned, I don't want this church to turn into a kingdom where I rule as king and have subjects to rule over. I think there are plenty of churches that are, that are already attempting to do that. My heart is that we will always be a church where the light of truth shines bright. And our love is apparent not by the words, not by our words, but by the way we demonstrate it. I don't want this to be a church known by anything other than a place that loves and sees people, all people, regardless of their background, regardless of, you know, the sin in their lives. a place that loves and sees people with the heart of Christ. I also want this place to be a place that faithfully teaches the Word of God. I'm not, you know, I, I think certain programs are good. I think certain, our, I think outreaches are good. I think the discipleships are good. I think, you know, I do believe in that stuff. heart is again just to teach the word of God that this church will be known that it teaches faithfully and it, it, it does that it's teaching the word of God that's my heart that's my desire I don't want to fluff up the word of God I don't want to make it into something that it's that it's not even the difficult verses that, I've, that, have, that are challenging to me I want to be able to preach it even the, the difficult verses that you may find convicting and that you may find difficult, I want to be able to preach that as well. I don't want the world to influence what happens in here. I don't want, you know, what other 
people are doing and other people, what other churches are, are being a part of or, or other churches are doing to influence. I want to do what God has called us to do. I want to do, I want to just continue to faithfully follow God's plan for what he has for this church. And I also want this place to, to be a place where we can be counted on to serve where the need, where there's a need. We see that so many places, just even here in the, in the, in the Northeast, there's a need everywhere. And as we grow and as we, as we start to go out there and, and just start being a light to this community, I want to be able to be in those places, to be part of those, those people's lives that have a need. heart is huge. There's just so much room for love and acceptance and I want to be able and I want your hearts to be the same way. I want us to serve as a church. I just don't want us to sit here and, and every Sunday and just and that's it. My hope and desire is again that we'll serve where, where there's a need. I believe that church ought to be known not by its size and status, but by the love and faithfulness they have in Christ and the, and the love they have for others. And that's important too. There's so many people out there that have been rejected by the church. There's so many people out there that have been rejected and ridiculed by other Christians just because they live a certain way, just because their sin may appear to be greater than our own sin. But you see, it's those people that need to hear the love of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. (coughs) See, our sin is no different than anybody else's. God sees our sin as just sin. He doesn't say, hey, you know what, you know, you're, you know, you sleeping around with all these women is different than a guy sleeping around with all these other guys. For him, adultery is adultery. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. But I want us again to be known by the faithfulness we have for Christ and the love we have for others. I want our love to be completely on display for others to see. As I finish up here, I want to remind you again of of what what we've covered. If your desire to grow as a Christian, I believe is absolutely necessary to understand these four essential aspects. Growth requires that the light of truth burn continually in and through your life. Continual growth requires application of God's word being spoken to you. 
Growth isn't instantaneous. It's a process involving the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit within us. If unchecked, too much growth can cause more harm than good. This is our message, my message this morning. You want to grow as a Christian. You want to grow as in, in, your, in your spiritual life. The Word of God here has so much to teach us. And the only, we've only covered four aspects of, of growth. But here, in the Word of God, we're, we're shown, we're taught how to grow, what is necessary for that growth. And you'll see, as I mentioned, that the Holy Spirit, as you continue to understand, as you continue to seek the Holy Spirit in you, begins to shape you and transform you. And, and everything you see about your life and about life in general completely changes. There was a time when I used to think everybody sucked. There was a time that I used to believe that I used to be angry at the world. I used to be angry at my parents, and I used to be angry at I used to, I used to be angry at Robin, my wife. But as I allowed the Word of God to sink deep within my heart, as I allowed God to transform me, as I allowed the Holy Spirit to shape me. My perspective on all these people began to change. My perspective of the world began to change. And if that's what you desire, if that's what you want, if you want to grow as a Christian, let that light burn, sh uh, shine bright within you. Hear and listen and apply God's word. Be careful. Be careful again with the dangers of too much growth. Now, I'm aware that, that this message that I've been speaking about primarily is directed to those who want to grow as Christians. But there may be some of you that are listening um, to the recording or watching us on YouTube that have never allowed the seed of God, God's truth to be implanted into your heart. Maybe you've begun to realize that you've been living in darkness and you want to start living in the light. You want to start living in the light of truth. If that's you, I want you to know that God has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. And He wants to use you in ways you can't even imagine but that growth process as a Christian can't begin until you've been born again not of the flesh but of the spirit the moment you surrender your life to Jesus and ask him to, to be the Lord to be your Lord and Savior your old the old you dies and the new you is born 
if that's you, if that's what you want, and you desire to live a new life as a born-again believer, then in a moment I'm going to lead you in a prayer. In a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. The Holy Spirit, again, comes in and resides within you. And as you continue to seek the Lord, as you continue in obedience, and you continue just to allow the word spoken to you by the preaching of the word or the word that you read it's in front of you in the Bible, it will begin to shape and transform you. I'm telling you, that's you. Don't miss out, on, miss out on the opportunity. Again, God, I assure you, God has an amazing plan for you. Give him the opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do. We want to grow more into who it is and what it is you want us to be, Lord. For some of us, we, you may call us to be the next Billy Graham, the next evangelist out there, Lord. Maybe for some of us, you have called us to be great missionaries that you've used to speak the word of God to tribes and nations from different parts of the world. Maybe your plan for us is just to minister here in El Paso. To change a person's life, just one person's life in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. Lord, I ask that you show each and every person here Lord, what it is that you've called them to be. And as they continue to grow, Lord, as they continue to mature, I ask that you just continue to, to burn brightly into the, in, in their lives, Lord that others may see your glorious light working in and through them so that they may give you the glory. And if they are asked, why? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so, what's so different about you? That they'll be able to point to you. They'll be able to point to, to, what, to who you are and what you're doing through them. you just continue transforming hearts here Lord open up their ears open up their minds and we pray for this church as well Lord we pray that you will use this church to be a mighty light in this in this community in this city Lord I pray that we will never just that we'll never grow too big that will grow to what it is that you want us to grow to, Lord.
we want to walk obediently. We want to serve obediently, Lord. Not of our own strength, but according to your will and according to, to, to the work you're doing within us. For those of you who have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now you feel God pulling and tugging at the strings of your heart, and you know and believe hey, that, that God has a plan and purpose for you, you just have to, you must believe. that's you, just pray this prayer in your heart. Lord, I'm sorry for sinning. I'm sorry for my, that my sins have separated me from you. God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that all my sins have been nailed onto him, Lord. And right now, Lord, I, I ask that you help me, Lord. I desire to turn away from my sins and I desire to follow you with all my heart, with all my strength. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me new life. I ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon me. Fill me with Holy Spirit so that I can know you, understand you, and see you. Thank you again for forgiving me. And I pray, I pray, Lord, for each and every one of those people that said that prayer, Lord. May they grow in you, strengthen them as they start their growth, as they start in their journey. And may they come to know you more and more. Lord, bless this day. Bless this time, Lord. May we just enjoy this time of fellowship. May we just enjoy this day, the rest of this day you've created for us. Bless this week. Bless our families as well, Lord. May we honor you in everything that we do and say this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.